welcome back to episode three of the Final Play podcast. I know it has been a little bit. We took a little bit of a break. We had vacations and stuff going on with the start of summer, but we're back. Going to try and get in a good rhythm here. And uh, yeah, so episode three, we're going to talk about um, basically just NHL uh, Stanley Cup finals and the NBA finals. Just, you know, who won really quick on that. We're going to talk a lot about NBA draft and free agency as free agency started today and that's going pretty crazy right now. Quick NA or quick MLB news and yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Welcome back everybody. It's been a bit. So we're just going to get into the NHL playoffs mention, you know, the Golden Knights won. Congrats to them. Their first championship. They're a young franchise. It's great for them. They've definitely built that team up really fast, but what are your thoughts of the Florida Panthers not winning, you know? Tip of the cap to the Golden Knights, um, but it was a travesty. Um, I really wanted Florida to win. I was so close to being right. I was on Florida in the quarterfinals. I said they're going all the way. I mean, they're an eight seed. It was it was still a great run by them. Um, don't like Golden Knights winning, honestly. Again, tip of the cap, but for some reason, I just hate the Golden Knights. For some reason, you do. That's just how you are, though. It's half because I think it's half because they're the other new team with the Kraken still kind of, and uh-huh. I think the Kraken deserve all the love in the NHL. So like the Golden Knights deserve none. I'm pretty of- sure the Golden Knights already have a lot of people that hate them, so the Kraken don't really have that. But <laughs> secondly, um, the other half of it is just them making me wrong about Florida. Because if I would have hit that prediction, that would have been. That would have been great. That would have been great for the brand. It would have been great. Absolutely. Uh, But congrats to Golden Knights. First championship in their young franchise. Probably will have a lot more because whoever the GM is for that team is building a great team every year. So hats off to them, like we said. Uh, Going into NBA playoffs, the Nuggets kind of just ruled that series, honestly. It wasn't really too much of a competition. Jimmy Butler was trying his Jimmy Butler things, but the Nuggets are a solid team, as we saw. I think the Heat just ran out of steam. Like, that roster was always, like, it was always a little bit underwhelming. There's a reason yeah. why they were an eight seed coming in. They almost lost the play-in tournament game. Um, they had a lot of stuff going on, or a lot of stuff clicking at the right time. They peaked at the right time. Um, I think Spolstra is a phenomenal coach. He's one of the best in the NBA, which obviously helps them. Um, Jimmy Butler is a fierce competitor, which really helps them down the stretch. But that team is, they're just a couple of pieces away. Um, I also feel like that's always the story of them, though. They always peak at the correct time. They're always all peaking at playoffs, which is very interesting to me. I don't know what they can add at this point. We'll get into that when we start covering the free agencies. But it's just weird to me that they do always peak at the playoffs. They're never really, like last year they were the number one seed. They were good throughout the whole year, but then they dropped out. I feel like they're better when they are peaking at the playoffs at the right time and they just play really well. But, yeah, they are missing something. Jimmy can't carry that whole team. He needs another guy beside him, and they just don't really have that right now. I think – I mean, Tyler Hero had a really good year. Him being hurt down the stretch. Absolutely. Definitely hurts that team. Doesn't give enough space to Jimmy after that. I don't think Bam – I think Bam Adebayo is a very good player. He's a very solid player. I don't think he – I don't think his development has gone maybe as fast or I think he kind of, I think he's kind of plateaued in the past yeah. couple of years. I don't think 
He may have his hit a ceiling, basically. He may have hit a ceiling, or he may it may not be a ceiling, but he might. I mean, there's ebbs and flows to yeah. playing sports, so he might just kind of be at a little bit of a a standstill as far as that goes, and he could develop and he could make another. He could make a jump next year. He could figure some other stuff out. It's just he was kind of a non factor or he he, he was his he did what you expect from him he didn't really go up like anything crazy and i might be crazy but i have heard him being talked about as like the second star to, on the heat team when he was a little bit younger yeah and that's kind that's of faded the past yes. year or two and that i think you know especially when you don't have tyler hero miami had a lot of great depth you know kevin love um Grant, yep. Uh, Gabe, Gabe Davis, Kyle Lauer, but it those those guys aren't Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you said the Bills wide receiver. Yeah, Gabe Davis. Sorry, fantasy football season's coming up. Um, <laughs> Gabe Vincent, but they're just I don't know. They they're just, just lack, missing. Yeah, they lack another dog they're making missing that depth on the bench they're missing the other guy next to jimmy that can take a little bit off of jimmy because jimmy he does this in the playoffs he runs through the first three rounds and the finals hit and you can just see that he's kind of he's tired he's lost it like he just he's doing it still but he is definitely in his like last little bit of gas at that point point. and we're definitely out of like the super team era but still the teams that the teams that compete or the teams that win championships they still have a star duo yeah they like do at least when golden state won it last mm-hmm. year Stephen clay like there's still Stephen clay yeah. maybe jordan Poole was a little bit better last year <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um <laughs> boston has jason tatum jalen brown we'll see how that one lasts the nuggets have jamal murray and Jokic. so it's just say the next one michael porter jr oh i mean phoenix is yeah. Okay. Don't. Uh, we'll talk about this in a little bit. <laughs> we'll talk about it a little bit. But Phoenix is just. I mean, Phoenix is just. It's. We'll, Ar- we'll talk about it. It's not a champion. There's no championship culture. Arizona's not a championship winning state. Like, I don't know. Phoenix. We're bringing Phoenix. Phoenix. This championship's for you. It's just no one really cares. No one cares about Phoenix. Like the city, in general too. Not just the sports teams. Just Phoenix. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But congrats to Nuggets. It's the first championship in their franchise history. Uh, really built that roster from the ground up. It's really just all homegrown talent, which is phenomenal to see. They really do like they did what the uh, the 76ers wish they should, could have done, which is trust the process and give their players time to meld and really get to the point. Yeah, Joel Embiid won his MVP, but the Nuggets are the one winning the championship. So I still think it's funny that Nikola Jokic didn't win a the MVP this year because of lack of playoff success. Then he wins the NBA Finals, and Joel Embiid goes out in what the second round. Don't even round. give me start on that. That's the dumb. The MVP award for the regular season should have nothing to do with playoff success or anything. They were the number one seed. Like it's just baffling to me. It's whatever. Jokic will end up winning a few more before his career is over. He more cared more about his horses by the end of the year anyways. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> shout out Nuggets for winning. I hope Jokic is somewhere with his horses, having the time of his life. Oh, you not see the picture? 
they had a yeah, they had a derby like that weekend yeah and he was there and he was just going wild for his yeah. horses looked like the happiest man on yeah. earth <laughs> yeah no his, him and his horses is great um i hate to say it i think the nuggets are going to be an early playoff exit next year though they they may have that i'm getting that, that vibe you're getting that championship i'm getting, I'm getting like, that championship hangover vibe mm-hmm. especially because well we can't really we don't mike malone showing the personality he did was great but like i don't know i don't know he's acting he's going a little too wild he's going a little <laughs> bit too wild i feel like that's how he is though with his players at all times so oh I don't know. we'll see for sure but i just i feel like kind of all the shit talk and everything that he's kind of you know even if it's in good spirits or a little bit fun i think i just think that team is set up for an underwhelming i can never talk bad about mike malone i love mike malone i love his attitude i think he trusts his guys but he did speak out of his ass a little bit for sure because we'll get into that a little bit later why how he spoke out of his house but saying that bruce brown would be back that with the rough. news that happened yeah. now that's just not gonna be a good look no <laughs> overall so congrats to the Nuggets. Next year should be really good. There's a lot of good talent that obviously came into the league just this year, but I feel like the talent has risen in the NBA a lot where I feel like we're at the point now where with how many teams there are and how much talent there is out there that we're going to see a lot of close regular seasons for the next few years until they expand it a little bit to get the talent a little bit more distributed out there. I feel like we're going to see a lot of the Eastern Conference be like it was last year where – they're all going to be within like a six game winning streak and get you back into the playoffs when you're in the 11 seed and everything like that. It's going to be really interesting to see how the season is, but let's get into the draft a little bit. Spurs getting Victor Wimbanyamba, not, not surprising, surprising at all. At all. Uh, it's interesting what we may see because Popovich obviously is still coaching. He's seen a lot of these big guys come into the league and try it out, you know, like see what they are. Because he had to play a lot against Yao Ming when he had his good, uh, like Tim Duncan and all his good centers that he's had. Obviously, Bull Bull is kind of one of those ones where we're still waiting to see if something is actually going to happen with him. But I'm excited to see what Victor will, will happen, what this offseason is going to mean for him. Is he going to bulk up? Because that's, I think, the main problem he's going to face in the NBA. I mean, I the only thing that concerns me about this, I get – I get concerned anytime there's this amount of hype around a prospect in, in general in yep. any sport. Like, it makes it almost impossible to live up to the expectations. I, you know, in NFL, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be Jesus, and you know, it it goes to show like I he mean, went to a very bad situation. He doesn't help when Satan is your coach. <laughs> yes, I mean, <laughs> Urban Meyer was horrible, yeah. but it it's still like. You know, he kind of underwhelmed. There was a lot of questions. It's He's still growing. Like, it takes time. Yeah. Uh, kind of the same thing when they called Vlad Guerrero Jr. up a while ago. Yeah. His first time, or when he got called up. Like, he was the number one, you know, prospect in all of baseball. We thought he's going to get called up, be an MVP candidate right away. And he is now an MVP caliber pr- player. But it, it, it just took a little bit of time. There's um, a, that little bit of a shell shock being in the pros now and playing against grown men that are like, they know what you're trying to do. And the last NBA prospect I remember being hyped up this much was Zion. And that hasn't gone well. Yeah, that's... It, it does seem like for the NBA too, whenever a prospect is hyped up a lot, 
LeBron's the only glaring one where it's like, okay, that one worked out really well and nothing really happened, but I feel like he had a good group around him. I feel like Victor will have a good group around him, especially since in the offseason, most of the time he will probably be back in France. He'll probably have his family with him. I think it'll be kind of a Giannis situation where he's more of like family oriented, I'm hoping, and not go a little too crazy because he's in a new country, all that, and all the fame that comes with it. We're going to have to see. Like I said, I'm a little bit more concerned on his physicals than I am on his like mentals or his decision-making outside of the game. I'm Just because he is so thin. Yeah, he is tall, and I get it with that tall. He is on the heavier side for most, most guys, but if he faces a Joel Embiid, if he faces even like a DeAndre Ayton that has some like packed-on muscle, he's going to run into a few problems in the beginning, I feel like. My, my main concern with him is I... I I could also see the situation in San Antonio ending up not great because that is I mean they're in he is the first piece of the rebuild basically. He is yeah. the first like I would agree with that. And to me, I think Greg again, Greg Popovich is one of the greatest coaches in NBA history, but he's he's getting up there in age and I'm I'm worried that, you know, if he doesn't stick around through the duration of it or if he just kind of starts to get tired and like near in retirement like him losing if he loses Popovich during his development like that's gonna suck because that's gonna be such a culture shift in San Antonio I worry about him almost having some protection on the court when you don't like because he's gonna be beaten and battered a little bit just because he doesn't have the players around him to take some pressure off of him defensively yeah everyone's gonna be like i mean the offense is probably gonna be designed around him like he doesn't have any great options you know he's gonna have to be that big guy that's getting beat up too when he's on defense like it's it's just not i that i kind of worry about the situation i mean obviously you're the number one overall pick you're not gonna go to a good team it's not how it works. Yeah. I I I just think that he I think it's gonna take a couple years. I don't I don't know if he's gonna be phenomenal right away, especially if he gets hurt. Like you said, there's injury concerns. There's always gonna be injury concerns with a guy that big. It it could be something where he needs a couple of years with NBA coaches and nutritionists and strength trainers. Kind of a Giannis situation because when Giannis... Yeah, Giannis was really skinny. Yeah, Giannis basically looks like how Victor did. Like, no real muscle on there, just length. And, I mean, it takes a lot of... It takes a few years, but if he can get there... And it's... I mean, he's he's 19, so it's part of its physical maturity, too. And then also part of its... Part of it... Like, it's not even just that. It's the advanced, like, recovery stuff that a facility in the NBA is going to have to offer the sh- and you know stretching programs, mobility programs, treatment with some of like the best athletic trainers. Like it's I think it's just going to take a couple years of all of that to get yes. him, you know. I th- I think it is an advantage cuz he was playing for a pro team in Europe, which is going to be helpful. Um he does have a lot more tool sets than like if we're going to compare him to Giannis just the way he looks and the way he profiles. He definitely has a lot more tools than Giannis did when he joined the league. Um, he can shoot a lot better. He has a little bit better passing vision already in his dribbling at the same time. 
is a lot better than what Giannis was starting at. That's why he was the number one pick compared to Giannis being like uh, 14 or whatever yeah, it was. I think it was like 13, 14. Yeah. Um, so I think he'll be good. Like you said, the Spurs roster is not really filled out. They kind of just have a lot of fill pieces in right now to wait till they get talent and build the team back up. They have some good pieces that could come to be really good, but we'll have to wait and see on those still too. It's just going to be a difficult situation, but I'm going to love watching him for sure because he is an absolute freak out there. I don't know how you're supposed to block a jump shot from him. If he gets the ball underneath the room, he basically can dunk it standing up. So it's going to be ridiculous to watch. And and as long as Popovich is still wanting to coach and is still invested in it and still has the energy, I think I think he'll be fine because it's, I also think with him it's going to be a balancing act of getting him to play and develop against NBA talent and, you know, honest, as much as I hate load management for, like, established superstars, you kind of have to load manage him a little bit, get his body used to – even though he played pro ball, like, these are still it's the, the best shorter seasons over there. Best athletes in the world, long yeah. seasons. Like, the next couple years when you have to make a couple more draft picks and you're making some trades and you're bringing some free agents in – just be, I think his usage, like that's another thing that they're going to, it's a balancing act. And again, as long as Popovich wants to coach and has the energy it's there, I think his development will be handled fine. I am worried about a situation where maybe Popovich kind of gets tired of basketball or is kind of just his age catches up to him and he kind of thinks that he might want to walk away or he, you know, if he, I remember a few years ago that almost happened because his wife died yeah, and he yeah, lost yeah, that yeah. passion for, he was just kind of really all over the place and came back. So I, I do believe that he's kind of like a coach K guy where he's only going to retire when he really absolutely thinks he needs to, where he's either not sticking to like how he used to be able to coach. Can't really stick with the new generation of how it's played all of that, I think it's going to take a long, a while, but I feel like even if it is only a few years for Victor with pop, even if it's only two years, four years, whatever it might be, I believe that pop is such a great mentor to these international players that he makes them comfortable. And he is like always there for them that I feel like even if it is only those two to four years that maybe pop only has left in the tank, whatever it might be. I feel like it will still be great for Victor because I think Pop will be able to like kind of get him into those comfortable situations that he's really good with and start branching him out from there as the years go by. And I agree, but it needs to be two to four years of Popovich at Greg Popovich level. It can't be like two no, to four years yeah, of just, the shell of yeah, Greg yeah. Popovich. That's, I don't think that's that will happen. I, just think, I think that Pop at least has four more good years of coaching before he starts like kind of falling off a little bit. But I, I, I'm not too concerned about a culture change because I do feel like at that point, I feel like they would end up just like with how the Spurs feel to me. I feel like they would just promote within. And so you'd have a guy that kind of came from Popovich's tree. Popovich would tell the Spurs who the next coach <laughs> yeah, is. Exactly. Popovich is going to be like, hey, this is your new coach. Hey, I'm, by I'm the out. way, I'm out, but I'm also owning this team now. So bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm also now the president of basketball operations. <laughs> yes. And the GM. <laughs> but yeah. It'll be nice to see Victor. We're going to see what he's like. Um, and then the other kind of – other kind of. I mean, obviously, same thing with every draft. A lot of great players, a lot of great college talent, G League talent. You know, young. a lot of young talent got drafted. We're excited to see where everything goes. One of the other more interesting storylines, though, is the Trailblazers getting Scoot Henderson. 
yes. I it was interesting one for me. Wasn't sure if Charlotte was going to take him. That I think Charlotte went with the right choice getting Brandon Miller to get a wing alongside Lamella. I think that's the correct thing to do instead of getting another guard where you already have the Terry Rozier situation going on with too many guards on the, you know, I think it's the right move. Scoot following the Trailblazers, you can't pass up on Scooter Henderson. He's just a freak athlete. He knows basketball. His basketball IQ is really good. It's just going to create an interesting situation. So there's already been rumors about Dame leaving the Trailblazers, whether that's him requesting a trade or them trading him, whatever it might be. They can play together. I just don't know how it will work because Dame has always been the guy with the ball in his hands. Even when CJ was there, and CJ's a great ball handler, now that we see that he's a point guard with the Pelicans, he probably should have been a point guard a long time ago. They should have like kind of moved it. I just don't know how it, how it, that is going to kind of situation is going to work out. Damian Lillard always has come across to me, at least, as a very as a more humble player. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think as long as Dame wants to stay, they will find a way to make it work. It's more so the organizational standpoint for me because the I think the organization has been more so incompetent over the past couple of years because you have a player like Damian Lillard's easily a top ten player in the league. I don't think that's you know uh, yeah he's at least around top 10 you know that kind of is going to shift every single year but yes i would agree that's going to shift but when you if if you put him in a competent organization he definitely is going to be a top 10 player yes competent yes and the trailblazers coach like the chauncey billups hiring as the coach hasn't gone well no at all no um the fact that you have and Damian Lillard has, I would say, lost a little bit of his pull or like, oh my gosh, Damian Lillard yeah. is like a top five player. Like, I feel like three years ago we were talking about him being a top five player. Yes, absolutely. And we were talking about him pushing Steph Curry to be best point guard in the league. Well, that was when they were actually getting to the playoffs and he had those big time moments. But you've taken that away from him. Which, they don't get as much TV time. It's hard to really gauge that anymore. Exactly, which is my point. When you had all that momentum, how do you not get someone beside Dame? How does – like that is – that's my big thing. You you look at Mark – like Mark Cuban in the Mavericks and he's like, I have Luka. I'm – like Mark Cuban is mi- – has the Mavericks making moves to get superstars to find a pairing that works with Luca? He is determined to getting something to work with Luca. The names that have been cycling in and out of Portland is it's despicable. Like yeah. you have to get a better. You had you had the draft picks, the pieces. Like there is no excuse why there is not a second star next to Damian Lillard. And now you're drafting a kid three overall. And I think Scoot Henderson will be a great player in the league. But again, he's a 19-year-old kid. He's going to need time to develop. Like, he's not going to just be a second superstar right away. Why is there not a why is there not a secondary player to Damian Lillard? That's yeah, my big thing. I mean, I feel like the main problem is is all right, they had Nurkic. And Nurkic Nurkic before all the injuries was pretty good center. He's a good rebounder. He did his job. He was just like kind of old school center and his canter also had a very good stretch in portland yes he did i just kind of forget about that because he was kind of just a fill-in 
for Nurkic when he got injured. But yes, Cantor had a really great run too. I think the main problem is is his Damian Lillard's second start. I can't even count like when he first got in the league and Lamarcus Aldridge was still there because he wasn't really a star player yet in that point. He was still proving that like yeah, this is my level at all times. You know, people just thought that he wasn't really that. And Aldridge left really early on before like Dame could really cement himself as like a top point guard in the league. If you look at it, he the only star next to him that he's really had has been CJ McCollum. And CJ McCollum, even then, he's a star player. He's border- a three. he's the third option. Yeah, he's like borderline star player, but he still is one of the better players in the league. If you look at his overall game, they just have never they they were really great together, but they're not a great pairing. And I also think part of the CJ McCollum Damian Lillard pairing relied so much on Nurkic. Yes. And with the injuries. But I I guess my point is the CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, Damian Lillard trio or core, I don't think you've I don't think I think people sometimes forget how long it's been since then. And with how yeah. fast moves happen in the NBA, I'm talking about since that time period, since that combination didn't work. No, that's why it was, is inexcusable. No, that's why I was getting into because even if you just look at when they were at their best, I don't think it was the right fits for Damien. You can't have another guard. You you needed to have another star that was next to him that was either a wing player or a center that was better than Nurkic because Nurkic was borderline all-star level. You needed an all-star center playing next to Damien or you needed an all-star wing playing next to Damien Lillard just to give him more space to work because when you give Damien more space, you space out the floor more, He's going to take advantage of everything. He can do anything. So I think that's their main problem. And I just, that's why I don't particularly like the Scooter Henderson thing. I love Scooter. I think, like you said, he's going to be a really good player. I don't see how he is ever going to be like anything close to a bust. I think he's going to be solid at, at all times. But I don't think this helps the Trailblazers get really good and actually competing for like playoffs or anything i think they're going to be borderline again which is why again it's the front office incompetency because you you could have you had the three pick trailblazers aren't really in any cap issue the only player that they've had to pay is dame so when we're in free agents you have money to spend you have the third overall pick in the draft if Scooter Henderson's not the fit, how does a trade not happen? Yeah. I just don't think they you know? see it that way. That's the problem right now. They just don't see it that they're not seeing it as a fit issue. They're just seeing it as a skill issue in a way where they just don't have the skilled players that they need or something. Yeah. So since a guard didn't work with Dame, let's go ahead and draft the best guard available. So we pair, pair another guard with Dame because yeah. that worked so great the first time. Yeah. On top of that, <laughs> We're going to have a worse coach than we did, and he's going to be able to figure it out. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> he was an NBA point guard. He'll figure it out. And yeah. it, just, it is baffling. Trust me. I get it. Like I don't, I don't really understand this move. They're, they may get a little bit better, but I still think they're missing the playoffs. They may be a play-in team, but I don't think in those moments with him being – Scooter being that young and him, making him the second star, if that's what you're going to go for – it's he's going to not maybe be ready by that time. He could be, but I just don't see that happening in one year. And I'm just like thinking about 
potential like wing or like big man trades that they could have made like there's a period of time where denver michael porter jr like they were kind of in a weird spot like yeah there is an opportunity there um th- kevin durant has moved around a lot kevin durant started in the pacific northwest like there was probably an opportunity there katie now with a with at least the nets there was an opportunity because he had a list and basically the list was really short and i know the trailblazers weren't on there so they didn't really have a chance there sadly but yes i do see what you're they could have shopped it they i mean i'm even, trying to think of a young big man that they could have gone and gotten and there's there's probably plenty there before he won an nba championship there was a lot of talk about Giannis in milwaukee yeah and like whether that was going to work or not and like they were there was a point where it looked like a Giannis trade might be in the cards with how Milwaukee was playing. Then they won it all, and that obviously, you know, shut stopped, those talks shut up. shut those talks down because he's won his ring. But it's yeah. like when the when there's these rumblings or these things that are happening for a position that you definitely need. Where it's like if Damian Lillard has a wing player or a big man that is a second star, it makes the team so much better. You have to be aggressive. Yeah. You have to be aggressive in those situations. Now that you mention it, it does feel like the Trailblazers only ever do things through free agency or the draft, and that's it. I never – I can't remember the last time they made a trade where it's like, oh, wow, that really improved your team. Like, I'm pretty sure the C.J. McCollum thing was a trade, right? C.J. McCollum was a trade. It brought in – it was with the Pelicans. It brought in Josh Hart and a couple he, other – He's pieces. been a good role player. Josh Hart's not even on the team anymore. Yeah, he was. But I'm saying when he was there, he was a decent role player. I mean, he's, he's just still a his, decent role player. But yeah, he's yeah, it just didn't work out for them. And I mean, yeah, it's just it's weird to me that they just don't like they just kind of are complacent. Where it's like, okay, we're gonna sit back, we're gonna wait to see how things work. But again, out. you're trading with the Pelicans. Why, like Brandon Ingram? How do you not get aggressive going after him? They probably just wanted to get rid of CJ for some reason, but it's not like you got back what you should have because CJ was a good player. He was a fringe all-star player. Like, you could have gotten something better from somebody else other than a Josh Hart for two years, maybe? A year? I don't remember how long he was there And then some other, like, bench pieces. It's just, I... It's a weird one. We're going to have to see how they, like, play it out. If Chauncey Bills can figure out, like, the the blend for it. I know that Scooter said he's willing and he wants to play alongside Dame. So if there is Josh Hart um, was in Portland. So Josh Hart was, he got traded to Portland during the 21, 22 season. And then he started the 22, 23 season on Portland before being traded to the Knicks. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they got from the Knicks. Honestly, it's just weird. We're going to have to see. Um, Chauncey Billups will have to figure out how that roster works and how Scooter and Dame will work alongside each other. But it's He won't because he's an idiot. But <laughs> We'll see. Um, quick little mention for uh, another draftee out there. Grady Dick going to the Toronto Raptors and also having Grady Dick jersey. So Dick and his number being one is just wild. The man I, took an opportunity and really went for it. If your last name's going to be Dick, you kind of have to have the personality that Grady Dick does. Absolutely. Like you, you kinda, he either had to have one, 
He needed to have six or he needed to have 69. That's it. <laughs> he either he he needed to. Well, I mean, I'm talking about the draft outfit, too. And just oh, being like just having there. fun. Like you have yeah. to you have to have the that confidence. You can't be like a quiet, shy person. He needs to be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. you have to you have to steer into this kid, which he has. Done. Really got a helicopter out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> dick Dick one is a great jersey. The draft outfit was great. Shout out to him. He's gonna have top five jersey sales this year. I'm calling it right now. Yeah, I, I don't know if we're ever gonna hear about him again once he starts playing because I don't I, know how good he's gonna be. But he's, <laughs> he's a Kentucky boy. I'm pretty sure Kentucky. So I mean, yeah, he's right. gonna be pretty good. I, the Raptors are the Raptors though. So that's why we're never gonna hear about him. Yeah. And then they're also bringing in a new coach, so he he could like just not develop at all. And just the be in Toronto. Hey, but Dick One will always live in the memory of everyone. True. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. Free right. agency? Yeah. Well, trades also. Uh, same thing. <laughs> same thing with the NBA at this point. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So my son's got uh, better, more reliable, I would say. Trading CP3 away for Bradley Beal. We got a, a few other young pieces that we won't go over yet but they can be very helpful as far as the death problem. But getting Bradley Beal from the Wizards for the package that we sent to them with just Landry Shamit, CP3, and a few second-round swaps is wild to me. I did find out later on that the reason that the that was so lopsided is because in Bradley Beal's contract, he could decline the trade after the Wizards had accepted it if he thought that the other team he was going to got shelled a little too much and they were going to be able to compete. So that's why that deal was so lopsided, but it's still wild to me. Then CP3 getting traded to the Warriors. We'll get into depth a little bit in that a little bit, but Bradley Beal going to the Phoenix Suns. I wasn't too high on it in the beginning. I'm still not super high on it. I'm a little bit more confident after the press conference, hearing how Bradley Beal feels about everything and just how they're going into the mindset. I'm a little bit more confident, but I'm still a little bit cautious of just how the rotation is going to work. There's a lot to figure out there. Yeah. Because you have a lot of players who need the ball. Mm, I wouldn't necessarily any any of them need the You have the a lot ball. of scores. Yeah, a lot of scores are going to take shots, but none of them need the ball to create. You don't ne- you're the Suns are almost in a situation where they're going to be forced to play small ball cuz Kevin Durant, even though he's tall, he plays like a 3. Kevin Durant's yeah. a small forward. Bradley Beal and Devin Booker are guards, yeah, but neither of them are really point guards. So you're gonna have to either see if one of them can play point guard, or you're gonna have someone else playing point guard, and then one of them, Kevin Durant's bumped up to the four. One of them's bumped up to the three. You're gonna be one of the shorter teams in that situation. Th- there's a lot of talent, and I don't think you can say there's anything wrong with making your team more talented. There's no debate that Bradley Beal is more talented than Chris Paul right now. Yeah. Like, that's easy. Yeah. At least you have Frank Vogel to, fi- <laughs> to figure it out. Great job. Uh, it's just the rotation's definitely going to be weird. And with what the conference they said is they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out whether D-Book or Beal are going to be the point guard whether they're going to be slotting someone else in the point guard and playing Booker at the small forward is what it sounds like. They're completely uh, fine with playing uh, small ball. They said they don't care because KD is 6'10", DA is 7 feet. 
they're going to throw them into the post and get the rebounds that they can. And they're confident that the guys will hit shots anyways, but they don't really need the rebounds is what they said, which is a wild thing to say. Yeah. Cause you like defense gonna... doesn't exist either. Right? No, I, I don't. I'm not actually concerned about the defense. If you're going to have all these star players and they can trade off having the ball in their hands, defensive I, rebounds, a DA can a DA is good at that one. That's the offensive rebounds that he's just, he's lost on, but the rotation is going to be interesting. The defense on the, the bench, at least, is going to be phenomenal. We The few guys that we got from the Wizards, there's one guy. I, I can't remember his name right now. He's a very lengthy guard, small forward. That just has a high motor on defense. Is going to run around, no problem. So I'm really like excited to see what happens with him. There's going to be a transitional period. I don't know the way that's going to go about. I don't know how well they're going to mesh. DA, DeAndre A needs to learn that, like, He's not going to get any, as many touches anymore. He's going to have to get the ball off of rebounds, basically, and get his stuff in and get a lot more aggressive in the post. If he's not willing to go out to the three-point line and shoot a three like we know he can, because he did it in college, he doesn't want to do it in the pros. I don't understand what he's doing half the time. I think we got better. I think we're in a better position for the playoffs, at least, because every single year, Chris Paul would get hurt in the playoffs, and we would end up losing him for a few games. It'd be a very hot, like hard-fought few games while he was gone. Whether we won those or not was going to be questionable, but it's going to be interesting. I like Bradley Beal, but I'm not sure how it's going to mesh. We'll have to see. I think the Suns will start slow. They're not going to be the number one seed. They're not going to be. Uh, I, I mean, know. I think they're going to start slow. I think they'll probably be like in the four or five seed range in the West. I see the reverse happening where they're really hot in the, the regular season and they're just like that. Nobody can really figure out what they're doing. But then once we hit playoffs times, everybody's like, Oh, okay. If we play it like this, it's a little bit easier to deal with them. And that's where it's like, cause who are you going to double team on that team? You can't double team anyone. And they're going to be spread thin. Oh yeah. No, that. So it's just like, I think in the beginning it's going to be hard. It's later in the year that I'm worried about if we don't have a different style we can go into to I'm, get open looks. I'm just not high on the Suns because I think they're going to start slow. They're going to be good in the second half of the regular season, and then Frank Vogel is going to get coached circles around in the postseason. Because, like you said, the rotation is going to be a big part. You have great bench defense, but it's figuring out how and when you get those guys in. And it's, it's going to be very hard – managing when a Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker is taking his time on the bench. Um it's my main concern is Frank Vogel. <laughs> That's honestly like if if you have a good coach, like if you have Steve Kerr made it work with Prime Clay, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Yeah. But Steve Kerr is a great coach and phenomenal at managing egos. And I mean, we'll have to see. I'm willing to give Frank Vogel his opportunity because he did well with the Magic a few years ago. I, I mean, it was a while ago, honestly. He did really well, and he coached one of the best defensive basketball teams, and that's kind of what we need to – because the offense will do its part. I don't think the offense will ever have a problem scoring the ball. It's the defense that's going to have to tighten up and like really get rid of certain opportunities from teams. I feel like with Bradley Beal and Devin Booker, both of them are going to have a little bit more effort on defensive end because they're not going to have to be those guys on offense anymore. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a change in their d 
dynamic as players where they may get like looked upon as like, oh, they are pretty good at defense actually because they're putting more effort in there and actually willing to spend a little bit of stamina off out there. We're going to see. I'm willing to give Frank Vogel's Frank Vogel his opportunity, but it's also really hard moving on from Monty because I feel like if Monty got Bradley Beal, this would be a completely different team. Matt Ishba is being very aggressive. I don't mind it, but also it might screw us over for the next few years. So that's why I'm just like concerned. NBA is just such a fast turnaround, though. It is. So, it really is. You can turn around like that with how the talent pool is spread out at this point, and how like how fast and how like there's just so many trades that are made. Like, yeah, really it, it really to, is. It's really easy to recoup picks. Yeah, and I just I, for me it's weird. I just I think Frank. I guess time did Frank Vogel a little bit better because the Lakers had to. It, Yes, the Lakers made a decently deep playoff run, but they traded away basically a lot of the roster Frank Vogel was dealing with when they were not great and got new players in. They added a lot of big guys at the, or a lot of good depth pieces at the deadline, mm-hmm. which made it easier. So like that ages well for him because it's like oh it's not just him. The yeah. other coach struggled with that roster too. Exactly. So that that looks good. Um, it's kind of like. You know, it's going to age well for Nathaniel Hackett if Russell Wilson sucks again. Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, it's not Nathaniel Hackett. Russell Wilson just is a bum. It's I, just, it's, I think it's, it's just a weird, it's just a weird team. It is. It It's hard because you just have two guys that are known for their off ball or getting the ball and creating their own shot. Now, one of them either having to convert into a point guard, which Technically, Devin Booker already was a point guard one year. Bradley Beal was a point guard for like half a year until they were like, eh, that's just not for you all the time. So it's possible for them to do it, but I don't want to see shots taken away from Devin Booker or Bradley Beal now because they are a point guard and they feel like they should be passing the ball. I think that's taking away from their best weapons, which is their shooting. This is another thing that also just clicked in my mind. Um, I know the Suns have since have now said that they are committed to keeping DeAndre Ayton on the team. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. But again, Trailblazers, DeAndre Ayton, like that's a that, there's another target. I just don't know what the, it, like, like we wouldn't want to get rid of our big man for unless we're oh, getting another big man. Well, that, I mean, yes, but like again, that's another guy that's yeah, been yeah. in trade talks the past year. I get what you're saying. I almost think it would make sense if they traded for a different big man where it's so deandre Ayton can go play more of a um a larger role in an offense or like on a team and then you get more people that are gonna just do what's good enough for the sun and at the suns and add depth just like a good defensive rebounding center yeah i mean honestly like before that they said that like deandre Ayton's not getting traded the dream scenario in my head that i talked with one of my friends was was getting miles turner on the Suns, because I felt like that would be a match made in heaven in a way where he's going to stretch the floor a little bit more. So now you're just creating more space for everybody. He plays amazing post defense where he's going to get about three blocks a game, which is like phenomenal. And he's going to get his rebounds. That would be the perfect kind of player. DeAndre Ayton can be that player. I just don't know what's going on. Like, I know that he can. I don't know if it's a lack of effort, a lack of just not like it clicking for him, but he can 100% be a guy where he's getting two blocks a game and 14 rebounds at this point. 
in around 10 points. There's nothing wrong with that production. You don't have to be, I feel like people to put too many expectations on him when he got drafted by the Suns, And I think it's more of the Suns fans problems. Well, yeah. He was, he was first overall, wasn't he? He's was first overall yeah. played high school basketball in Arizona, even though he's from the Bahamas played at U, uh, university of Arizona. Amazing hype on him. Everybody's excited. But when they started giving him, oh, this is going to be Kobe Shaq point, uh, 2.0, it's like, yeah, you can kind of compare D-Book's game to Kobe. Not the same. You can't compare DeAndre Ayton to Shaq, where Shaq, Shaq was the most dominant player. And I feel like DeAndre Ayton's in his head about that, and it's just not helping him. I mean, when you take someone one overall, you just expect star. And so I think... And it, it also was, hasn't yeah. helped with how well Luca has played being drafted at number three or four, whatever it was. Yeah. It hasn't helped. No, not at all. So it's just, it's a tough situation. I hope he turns around. I hope he figures out and is like amazing on the post and doesn't, isn't like a defensive reliability because they will do that to him next year. If that's not, if that's what happens, they're going to take him out, do a screen and get him on an Island. We'll have to see, but we'll see how the Suns work with Bradley Beal. I like Bradley Beal. I just don't know about the fit overall. Yeah, I agree. And then this also, when you said Luca, it kind of clicked in my mind and this kind of transitions to our next topic. But wouldn't it be crazy if Luca's pairing in um, Dallas eventually that, you know, Dallas becomes a really great team and is, constantly contending for championships what if it was luca and trey young the two players that were traded for each other like i don't know if it would work very well with their play styles but i just i just thought of that in my mind and i was like that'd be wild that'd be a wild pairing i feel like it could actually unlock trey's game a little bit because if he started playing off the ball a little bit more and had just like free open looks from three point the man would be shooting a higher percentage from a three-point range and not just, like, trying to, like, heave up shots. So, I don't know. What's happening to him in Atlanta right now is just basically diet Damian Lillard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He doesn't get the respect because they can't, they're not on any big-time games. But he gets to the playoffs sometimes, and he's just like, yeah, I'm a dog. Yeah. What he did in New York. He shows up in big – oh, crazy. yeah. The, that yeah. was crazy. Yeah, the shushing them and the ice. Yeah. Oh, it was insane. I want, him to, I want to see him on a better team. If he was on, like – the Knicks, which I don't think will happen with them having Jalen Brunson now. I just don't think that pairing would work. But if he was on a big market team where they had a fan base that was like loud and obnoxious and he was on that team, dude, like those those fans would get behind him because he he has that mentality. So, yeah, it does suck for Trey Young, though. But instead, they resigned Kyrie. Yeah, I'm not surprised because, I mean, they're going to be aggressive from the start. You don't want to trade for someone and then lose them immediately for what you had to give up and everything like that with a lot of small pieces, but you still didn't want to give all that up and lose him. It was weird that the the report came out. The Suns were meeting with him. I don't see how that was going to work because we're already way over cap. We're way over the luxury tax. Like it was not going to happen. I don't know why we would even be talking to Kyrie, but it's good for the Mavericks. I think they'll be able to figure out a little bit more in the off season, not just have to like, throw them in the lineup and figure as they go. I think an off season will do really well for them for Kyrie and Luca to kind of talk a little bit more and figure out their game and how they want to go about it. I think it will be good. Um, contracts not too bad either. Honestly, the contracts not too bad to keep them around. Uh, what it's three year, 126 mil. It's not too bad. I mean, and that's a, I think a I three think, year, a, yeah. a three year contract for that to like, 
I feel like they didn't want to offer him a long-term contract because you don't know, like, next year Kyrie might just want to retire. It's risky giving him a contract like that. Yeah. And three years. Yeah, Yeah. three years just gives you that time period to test it out, see if it's going to work. And three years also gives you enough time where it's like, okay, we tried this for two years, trade him on the last year of his deal. Or even trade him next year. Yeah, it's not not that cumbersome of a deal for a player like Kyrie to move. Or to like, yeah, 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 to get him out. Yeah, but I think it just gives them a nice little sample to sample it out, see if it works. If it doesn't, they'll do the, the thing that they've been doing. They get the star player in, doesn't work, get him out. Like they're just a rotating door right now for Luca, which I also just don't think it helps Luca. I just, it doesn't help Luca having all these different players come in and out. And when he goes to attachment to them, you send him out. And then he's like, well, now I have to figure out how to play alongside with a new person. And it's just, it's not helping his game overall. No. Um, I will say, I think it's also, I think that Dallas is a good place for Kyrie to be. I think Mark Cuban is such, you know, such a public figure and such, he's had his fair share of controversies. So it's good to have someone like that that's kind of in charge of the team because he'll be able to handle Kyrie stuff because Kyrie is a lot. He's a lot to handle. So it's most controversial player in the league. Yeah, it's good. It's good that um, Mark Cuban's handling that. And then on top of that, like Dallas is a little bit quieter of a market. It's still a big market, but it's not like it's not like New York he can kind of just go and play and figure his stuff out. And at the end of the day, like despite everything that happened last year, Kyrie still averaged 27 points, five rebounds, five assists. He's still a great player at the end of the day. Yeah, without a doubt. It's just the mixture with Luca and Kyrie because those are ball dominant. Like they have the ball in their hands. They're better where – like I said, I'm more comfortable with Beal and Booker because they've both played off ball where I'm comfortable with them playing off ball and KD's mostly played off ball. You just give him to the ball when you think that he just needs to ISO. Those two are ISO gods in a way where if they have the ball, they're going to be able to create better than most people in the in the league will. So it's just we'll have to see how they mix after a full offseason of figuring out like a game plan alongside the other piece they have. I think having – I think – I think they could make it work having two guys that are, you know, ball dominant or like are used to being the main ball handler. I think that Luca with his game though and what he's able to do, I think it could be scary if he can develop off the ball a little bit and be able to play like be able to like get the ball and create a shot from there or, you know, most of the time Luca with how the Mavericks have been, Luca has the ball. He's coming down the court. Focus is on Luca. But now, if you're having to worry about Kyrie coming down the court with the ball and whatever Luca's doing behind you to get open, that's that's a little scary. Yeah, if Luca can even just like get like 25% of Steph Steph's off ball movement, it would just be crazy. If they start giving him off ball screens and giving him wide looks at three points or giving him a free lane to get down. It's going to be dangerous. Same thing with Kyrie. But we'll have to see how they set up their playbook and see if they can actually figure that out and get them to work together on that. 
they're they're in the same position though where their depth isn't that great after the trade for Kyrie. So we'll see how they build the team around him. But it could be good. It's good to see Kyrie back and it doesn't look like the Mavericks just wasted a trade and losing him in the offseason. That's a good look for them because if they would have lost Kyrie, that was a horrendous L. So and then um so the next kind of free agent trade move. CP3 ended up on the Warriors. Yeah. Kind of weird, but okay. Really weird. I don't know if they're playing using him as a backup. Going to play him a few games here and there to keep him healthy for the playoffs. I don't know what the move is because having CP six foot nothing and Steph Curry six foot two or three on the court together as guards with Steph Curry not being that great defensively and Chris Paul declining where he's not that great defensively either. It's a weird mixture, and also trading CP3 for uh, trading Jordan Poole away for CP3. Also very weird after you just gave him a contract. I get there is controversy with him, but it does feel like Kerr just does not want to have that many young players on his team or even give them playing time because there's a lot of great young players that they've had, and they always seem to trade them away. They just don't give them an opportunity to be on the court. I think... I think it's because they – I think a big part of it is because they believe that they are still in their uh, championship window. And I think it's – they believe that they can win with the guys they have, with the Steph, Clay, Draymond, Nucleus. The big reason for the Jordan Poole trade I think probably stems from him and Draymond having a lot of issues with each other during the year. And you heard – Steve Kerr talk about in the off season, like he always wanted to bring Draymond back. He said that what they do is kind of centered around Draymond Green, and if I mean Draymond's numbers might not show it per se, but whatever Steve Kerr does, however he sets up that team, Draymond Green is a big part of it, and I also think you have to respect a little bit what they've been able to do because. They've won, what, four championships now? They've won four? Yeah. You You got to let them ride it out. You, until until they can't do it anymore, until it's, like, clear that they can't do it, you have to – you got to give them an opportunity. I'll give them the opportunity. It's just weird with how it goes about half the time. Like – Jordan Poole was on the Warriors since he was young. Didn't have too much playing time, but he built up his playing time. Then Draymond, which everything it sounded like came from Draymond. It was a Draymond problem. They get into a fight. Draymond throws a punch on Jordan Poole. After you give him a new contract that he like proved it, that like, hey, I'm a really good player. I can be great for this team. You trade him away and decide also to sign Draymond back for 25 mil a year for his production, I get he's a great leader, but is it 25 mil worth? Great guy, but it's just, it's weird moves. I don't really understand it fully. It's just... Yeah, I, th- I think it will work itself out. I, I do only also... Only having one year of CP3, though, when you already had a, another guy locked up for another three to four years. I forget what his contract was, whether it was five or four when he got it. I think it gives you flexibility, though past maybe next year because if if things don't go well with this roster you're not committed to you know to that four or five year deal that they gave Jordan Poole 
you yeah. Can, you can trade some of these guys away to recoup like recoup picks or cap space. It's not like they are in that bad of a spot. And Steph Curry's production and his age, like if this doesn't go well next year or the year after that or like the next two years straight, they are still very much in a position to where they can make some moves and very quickly put a new roster around Steph that's going to win. You know, Steph's 35, right? Yeah. It's just wild to me, though. I was thinking about that the other day. He does not feel like he is 35. I know he came into the league later than everybody else normally does. Like, he came in as, like, a three-year or a four-year college player. I forget what it was. I think it was just three. But it's just wild that he's already 35, and it feel like feels like he hasn't really slowed down at all. But I guess with his play style, you're not going to slow down too much at all. It's the dog. Um, uh, I mean, so... It, this Warriors team will be interesting. I don't know if this is going to magically get them over the hump to win a championship. It would be nice to see four um, CP3 to win a championship, but I don't know if Golden State's the team that's going to get it for them. Uh, then we're going to move on to just a little bit of free agency, talk about some of the signings, just light stuff. Fred Van Vliet goes to the Rockets, gets a bag, honestly. I didn't think he would get this money after declining his player option. Three years, $130 million. What does that come out to? Like 30, he 40 got a million? Max. He got a super max. Yeah, it's just – I don't know what the, the Rockets are doing because what are they – Fred Van Vliet is also not that great. So you're, you're – He's a good player. Don't he, don't. He's a good player. He's, he's a, a good really player. good player. He's a good player. Is he a super max player? He's not a super max I don't guy. believe so, but he's not a super max guy. Obviously, they see that, that he's going to help with something. I just don't know what that is because they already have a lot of guards. They don't really have a solidified big man. They have some good wings. I just don't know if this gets them over into that hump to get to the playoffs. I mean, I guess if they make the play-in, that's a success for the year, and you build off of that. But it, uh, I don't know how to feel about this one. I'm it's a little bit of waste. I'm guessing a big part of it probably comes from the fact that they have a lot of young players. Yes. They probably need someone to come help establish a culture, and they need someone that's a veteran, and maybe they were – looking at their roster and thinking that they are missing someone that is going to kind of help these guys in their development a little bit, kind of show these guys how to be professionals, how to be and NBA Fred, it's great for that. Yes. I don't know if you pay him that much money just to do that. No. Obviously, he's a good player, and they're expecting a lot more from him. Maybe it's a Jalen Brunson situation where they trust him a lot, and they're going to give him a lot more opportunity compared to like what the Mavericks gave Jalen Brunson, and maybe it's that situation. But, I mean, it's not like the Raptors didn't need him, and it's weird that the Raptors didn't go after him a little bit more aggressively because now with him gone, I mean, Pascal Siakam's kind of been a non-factor the past few years. OG is like... Blazers should trade for Pascal Siakam. <laughs> Blazers should trade for everybody, what you're saying at this point. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, that, I get it, I get that, it. That would be perfect. Uh, would that not be perfect? He's not, more, he's not a traditional center, but yes, it would help. It would help, yes, okay, without Okay, play him at the four or play... Your hitch at the five. Yes, fair, fair. It would work, but I don't know if they're going to do that. And who th well, it's no, possible. They're not, they're not going to do that, but I'm just saying that's another guy that is potentially in trade talks, potentially could be moving from He's, Toronto. The, the Raptors should blow up, up this trap. If, this if they're blowing it up, they should blow up a, this that's roster. A, that's yeah. a guy that yeah. the Blazers should be in on to play I, the I wing. I agree. I agree. 
Um, next good deal that I saw was uh, actually going back to the Trailblazers. Jeremy Grant going back to the Blazers, which is great for the Blazers. I think he's a really good player. Five years, 160 mil, pretty good deal. I think that's right around Jeremy Grant's value, honestly. He goes out there. He kind of just does everything really well, and he's going to be consistent around the board. Really like that move. They needed to keep him. I just hope that Jeremy Grant stays in a place long enough now because he's been going from team to team as of often, it feels like, and he just hasn't been able to like set his feet and get a role in a team. I feel like around Damian Lillard, it could be a good pairing. We'll see how well the coaching can get that pairing to go together. If they this whole rotation could work, Jeremy Grant's a great piece in that as a wing. Like this could be the star next to Damian, but he needs to have like his moments too. Yeah, it definitely helps with depth and whatnot. But it's it's just another one of those things where it's like, does it really move the needle for the trail? But like if this is the only move they make, it's not gonna move the needle. It's a great oh. It's a great start. Agree. It's a great start. I think it's a good move, but you cannot, you can't like have this be the only move you make. You can't be like, oh, we drafted exactly who we should have with the third overall pick. We drafted a can't miss prospect that fell to us at three, and then we signed a solid player. Pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. Or, no. Yeah. Like they, they need to make more moves. Hundred percent. It's just let's see if they're aggressive enough to make those moves because it's going to have to be a trade at this point because there's not really that many great players out there right now on the free agency that they could go for. I don't think Russ will ever go to the Trailblazers. So <laughs> after what Damian did to him, we don't. I they don't need Russell Westbrook. But yeah, Russell they, Wilson. Westbrook. I said Westbrook. Uh, we'll see. Uh, they don't need Russell Westbrook. They don't need <laughs> Russell. No one needs Russell Westbrook. <laughs> no he's one a needs good player. Him. I feel like you give him a hard time. He's a good player. He's a good player, but like, no one needs <laughs> Russell Westbrook. You know what I'm Imagine saying? Imagine him on the Bucks. Imagine Westbrook on the Bucks. It's what Russell Westbrook is at the point of his career. <laughs> no disrespect. No disrespect. Full disrespect taken right now. No disrespect. Russell Westbrook is at the point in his career where it's it's great to bring him in. He's a great addition, but it's not like we we need Russell Westbrook. <laughs> We're a championship team if we get Russell Westbrook. We need Russell Westbrook. That's not that's not what it is. That ain't it. It's fair. It's fair. But the Blazers don't need Russell Westbrook. The Bucks don't <laughs> need Russell Westbrook. For the Bucks, it'd be nice. Yeah. But they're not going to be like, oh, what? <laughs> Someone else signed him? <laughs> Dang it. It's fair. It's Guess fair. we should just end the season, guys. Let's not even play next year. We I didn't mean, get Russell Westbrook. With all the with all the mess that's talked about Westbrook, I feel like he's going to come back this season shooting better than he ever has. But also, I just know how Westbrook has been over the past yeah, year. He's, that's exactly what happens. A player gets into his 30s, is horrible for three years, and then just Pops off. Brooke Lopez. I mean, I, you're you're telling me <laughs> Russell Westbrook is going to be bad in his 30s for the past three years and be the player that Russell Westbrook was? No, no, no. Different player. So you want Russell Westbrook to be Shoot a, a, all. <laughs> a, a lethal shooter. Yes. <laughs> when that's been the worst part of his game. Exactly. And all he would need to do to be 
productive-ish again, or like to be very productive, like star three option or third option type guy, is to be able to just shoot a jump shot. Like that's the only thing you would have to do. Yeah, because he hasn't lost any of his speed. But you're like, nah, let's just make him a lethal shooter. Let's exactly. go a step further. Exactly. <laughs> Who cares about you being a great passer? Rebounder. Rebounder. Great agility and speed. Yeah. No. Like, we need you to sit down go, and shoot. Just go all out on shooting. Why not? You know, why not? Okay. Why not? I'm just great job. fucking around, Great job, honestly. Coach Blake. I'm, I'm fucking around. We should put you in charge of the Suns. Give me the job. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't want to hear that from you when you're like, just give me GM responsibilities of the St. Louis Cardinals. I'd make them a World Series winning team this year. <laughs> so, should we move into MLB? No, no, no. We're we're finishing. I mean, uh, let me just get a little okay, bit Kevin recap. Love, Kevin Love resigned with the Heat. Kevin Love Woo! resigns with the Heat. <laughs> the Lakers add a few. Uh, they keep Rui around. They add Gabe Vincent. They uh, get Cam Reddish. Which Cam Reddish? We'll see what happens. I'm rooting for the guy, but he can't figure it out in the NBA. Uh, Bruce Brown goes to the Pacers, as we talked about before. Got a pretty big bag. Two years, 45 mil. Weird deal. Maybe he just liked the money that they're offering, and Pacers are kind of giving him like a prove-it deal, whatever it might be. Good deal for Bruce Brown. Just won a championship going to the Pacers with money. Uh, Chris Middleton stays around for three more years with 100 mil with the Bucks. But they need Russell Westbrook. They need Russell Westbrook, absolutely. Uh, we'll see what happens with that deal. I'm not too excited about it. I don't know if anything's going to really happen with that one. And that's about the big moves that's happened. I wouldn't even consider Kevin Love a big move that he stay with the Heat because what has Kevin Love been doing? Legacy move. Okay, hey, legacy can I complain about the Cardinals now? No, not yet. Oh, my God. No, not yet. Got not it. yet. Not yet. Uh, that's about it for the NBA free agency moves. Okay, go ahead. Complain about okay, the Cardinals. Listen, listen. listen. I... <laughs> Can't even get any pitching. words. All like all they had to do was upgrade the pitching. This, this is, is my all we had to do. Our lineup is fine. We have great position players. You just had to upgrade the pitching. You could have added a couple more bullpen pieces. You could have gotten some starters. Make a move, goddammit. But no, we we didn't do anything for the pitching. We did jack shit for the pitching. And on top of that, on top of that. You decide to do nothing for your pitching talent levels. The year that you're getting rid of your pitching coach, you, you're you like, okay, so on top of that, <laughs> this guy that our pitchers have been comfortable with that has been kind of maximizing their production, that has been there since Miles Michaelis came and has been there for his two all-stars, that has been Adam Wainwright's longtime coach, that has watched Jack Flaherty go, from all, go all the way through the – farm system like that has been with Libertor for the past couple of years we're just like yeah we're gonna get rid of him too so now you have some so now we're like like hey let's take our bottom of the barrel talent pitching and let's give them a new unproven coach and let's see what happens it it it's just it's <laughs> trade goldschmidt trade goldschmidt <laughs> yes he's i love paul I love Paul. MV Paul. We all love Paul. MV Paul. We love Paul. He's Trade getting, him to the get, Diamondbacks. He's getting a little bit older. 
Trade him to the Dimebacks. See if we can get Zach Gallen back. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Please. You're getting, you're, Please. You're getting prospects at best. No. You're getting like Brandon Fat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're getting I'm Blake honestly, Waltson. Like, I honestly, it's so weird being a Cardinals fan and saying this, but I think we have to sell at the deadline. I think at the deadline, it's time that we, I don't know if, Paul Goldschmidt's the way to go yet because he's still very good. I don't think he's going to completely fall off next year, but he's in his mid-30s. He's 35. Approaching his late 30s. Yeah, I think he's 35. I'm pretty sure he's, he might. I think he's 35. He could be 36, but I think he's 35. Still, like, 35. He. I think he only has – I think he's a free agent after next year, too. He's 35, free agent after next year. You know, he can't go to the Yankees. He can't get rid of that beard. It's just like that's the one yeah. thing that cannot happen. I cannot see Paul Goldschmidt without a beard because when he came up with the Diamondbacks and had no beard, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look. Yankee, I'm not going to lie. Yankees have Rizzo's. <laughs> His beard is iconic. But it's just like. You could be I, a DH. Don't, I, don't. I almost think you get rid of. You almost get rid of Goldschmidt to get some pitching. And then we finally clear up our log jam out in the outfield, especially with Jordan Walker back up doing well. Let's finally get. Tyler O'Neill somewhere after, by the way, Marmol handled the whole Tyler O'Neill situation this year horrifically. So let's get rid of, like. Well, your young finally, manager that doesn't really mature, isn't matured, doesn't know how to handle situations. That sucks at his job, yeah. Yeah, that's so surprising. So maybe, like, let's let's trade Tyler O'Neill and another, maybe, maybe another outfielder even. See, this is why I don't talk to you about the Cardinals outside the podcast, because I wait for you to have these blowups as they progressively get worse throughout the year. And for some reason, the NL Central, the other teams get better. It's just you like we we could have been a such a good team if they were just not stupid. If they like I don't understand the desire to want to lose. You knew the pitching was bad. You knew your lineup was amazing. You knew you had a couple of MLB ready, like MLB level talent guys that are position players that you could have traded for pitching depth. You had some prospects that you might as well trade because we have like they're, they're blocked. Why, why are we keeping guys that are blocked? Who cares? Like, and you're talking about, we have Tink Hens. Tink Hens is like two years away. Arenado is going to be kind of trickling out of his prime. Paul Goldschmidt would be 37 and we're going to win the World Series when Tink Hens comes up in two years? Are you kidding me? I mean, uh, by, then, kidding me? by then, like, your rotations, I'm going to look the same. And anyways. Randy Rosarena is an all-star, and Matthew Libertor has been not good. You know who else is going to be an all-star? Adolis Garcia. Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen. I mean, Zach Gallen. <laughs> what list you know we... who won the Cy Young last year? Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not looking good this year. We had Ozuna just, from the. We got Ozuna from the. I am wondering though. I am wondering though. Is is the past of the Cardinals trades where they trade for a player at the deadline, and they get rid of their prospects? Is that coming around to bite them in the ass a little bit? Where they're like, oh, now we're scared to trade these guys away because they're now they're doing so well, and we don't want to miss out no, on what they could no, be. No, because you know what? We didn't even. <laughs> Why are you standing? We now? didn't even trade. We didn't even trade. We don't even trade prospects at the deadline. We trade them in the off season. Libertor was the off season. Ozuna was the off season. And we get bad players. We get like, <laughs> what, what are we trading for? We're trading for Marcelo Ozuna. What? What? 
We're trading for Matthew Libertor. What? What? Imagine like, having Randy. Randy we, why have, don't Why don't we trade for Shane Bieber? Why don't we trade for Shane Bieber? I mean, it's a perfect opportunity. They want to shop him. They have a clog in their starting rotation. They don't want to keep Shane around. They're not going to pay him. Let's trade for Shane Bieber. Why is Shane I Bieber mean, not a Cardinal? Trade for why? Dylan Cease. Trade for Lance Lynn. Like any of these guys would be didn't, improvements. Didn't age well. Did not age well because he's hitting damn near 400. But if Luis Arias, the value that he had going into last season was all it took for Pablo Lopez, why didn't we trade for Pablo Lopez? Why? 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 Because the Cardinals are scared. <laughs> this is not a planned segment, by the way. Gunner just got real pissed that I mentioned the Cardinals because they're dog shit and they're probably going to have the first pick next year, which is wild. 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 It's just, it's a disappointing season for the Cardinals. You're not going to be able to mentally recover from this kind of year because you haven't had a tough year like this in a long time and you're just never really going to know how it feels. Let me be the... I, Welcome. I Welcome could, to the bottom I of the barrel. I could be a better GM than Mosaic. I feel like a lot of people feel like they Do could you also be. see... Oh, by the way. By the way. Oh, no. He's there. By the me. way. You know... Giovanni Gallegos has been great for us the past four or five years. You know, no disrespect to the guy. You're getting old. You have seasons where sometimes you don't have your stuff. You're a relief pitcher. You're volatile. You get hit around a little bit. Can we talk about what Marmol said when he put Gio in against the Astros and Gio blew the lead? And then he's like, well, sometimes that's you're gonna, that's going to happen. There's nothing we can really do or whatever he said. And then the reporter was like, yeah, but this is the third time it's happened this year. And Marmol didn't have a response for that. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey. If, if, if Gallegos is not <laughs> as good as he was, if he's not that hot, let's just move him to a different role in the rotation. Maybe he doesn't, you know, believe it or not, there's other innings that he could throw in than the eighth and the ninth. Like, maybe if he ha needs to figure some stuff out, we don't put him in a high-leverage situation. You know, Jordan Hicks is really good right now. Why don't we just flip-flop their roles? Because Hicks was figuring stuff out in a different role. If Gallegos needs to figure stuff out, let's not put him in high-leverage situations where he could give up runs and lose us the game. But this time will be different. No, no, it won't. <laughs> That's how Marmol manages. I like how he – but the thing that I see from that is I like how he gives Giovanni the pass. But Tyler O'Neill makes a mistake, and he absolutely buries him, saying that he's not playing hard enough. Tyler O'Neill's gone. Like, and then he just went on the IL. He's, yeah. he's been gone. Yeah, he's just like, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> what, what injury can I say that I have? <laughs> Get me traded, then I'll be healthy. God, dude, if I would have had, if I had to play for Marmol, my hamstring would also, you know, cease up. Dylan cease. Why don't we trade for him? I already said that. I already said that. Are you good? Is your therapy session good? Yeah. So let's talk about all. -Star all right. Games now that now. we're out of uh, Gunner's uh, therapy session for the week, probably we'll have another one next week when they go on like a seven-game losing streak or something. Um. 
so all star game, the rosters out, snubs, who we thought should have made it, who we think were there, maybe make it as a reserve or pitching, whatever it might be. Uh, we're just going to go kind of by position and not division. So we'll just kind of go by catcher in both divisions. Then we'll go into the next position. So go ahead, Gunner. Sean Murphy was the right choice. Absolutely. He's having a phenomenal year, be, both behind the plate and at the plate where he's just – he. I think he should be considered the number one catcher in the league now. I Wrong. don't think it's – who's the number one catcher in the league? He got snubbed. I'll talk about it. What? He got snubbed. I'll talk about it. He got snubbed. Adley Rutschman? I think Adley Rutschman is the best catcher in the league. I, I think, think he's struggling also, a off too much on the offensive side to say that he's the best. He's struggling a little bit more compared to Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy's peaking right now, I'm pretty sure. Don't give that fucking dumb face. Whatever. I'll let you pull up stats. But Sean Murphy, right choice. He's the best NL catcher. Will Smith was the runner-up. Also understandable. What 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 would you find? Sean Murphy's having a great year, but Adley Rutschman is has a one twenty three OPS plus as did a switch I, hitter. Did I say that Adley Rutschman was bad? I no, mean, like, I just said that I think that Sean Murphy is the number one catcher right now. I don't I okay, okay. If you're going like if we're taking if we're going just this season alone, Sean Murphy's having the best Even season. Even then you wouldn't be catcher. able to say Adley Rutschman beats out Sean Murphy because Adley Rutschman just came up last year. I think Adley Rutschman is the best catcher in baseball. Oh, my God. You, I love Adley Rutschman. Don't get me wrong. That flow, ridiculous. His humor, great. I think Great he, guy. I, I, think, I think that he has another year. This year he'll figure some stuff out. Next year I believe that he will be the number one consensus catcher. And I love him on the Orioles. I love him on the Orioles. You just don't get it. You just don't get it. Uh, yeah, sure, dude. Sure. I just – I look at, like, the actual stats and not just by – like, I feel like Adley Rutschman just because he's a switch hitter, he's at, the best. I'm looking at – I'm looking at the stats. I'm Sean Murphy is having a a better year to this point numbers-wise. I'm not debating that. I just think if I'm taking everything into account, if I had to do my – position rankings i'd give the edge to adley just because of how young he is what his ceiling is and like if this is if this is a mediocre or average season average season for adley that is insane oh absolutely don't get me wrong but i'm saying right now number one catcher this year Sean Murphy. I think Sean Murphy also is getting some help by being a on the brave yeah Absolutely. He yeah, has that, more protection in that lineup. That lineup I yeah. think Adley might have numbers more similar to Sean Murphy if he got to – because he just get more pitches to hit. Well, honestly, the Orioles are going to get there sooner than later. They are, yeah. Honestly, because they still have Heston Kierstead coming up. Gunnar Henderson's getting better by the day. Cedric Mullins is back to his all-star level. You have Santander. Santander. You have Austin Hay. You have Mount – like, that team is so good. They are so damn good. Once the, all of them are a lot more consistent, Adley's going to get better with it. But I think Adley's also just dealing with a little bit of sophomore slump. And if this is a sophomore, sophomore slump, hang on. What? Hang on. Calm down. I am not saying that he's slumping. Dumb. Chill the, Dumb. Chill the fuck out. Dumb. I'm not saying he's slumping, but I'm saying, saying is he's figuring things out as a sophomore. As people figure out how to pitch to him, he's figuring out how to face it. He's doing a phenomenal job with it. I apologize for my co-host for what he just said. 
Adley. That is that. I, I, me personally, I, <laughs> oh I, my God. Oh I my wouldn't God. take that. I would. I expect better things from Adley. I'd beat his ass. I bet. I expect what? better You're things an, from Adley. You are <laughs> an idiot. I expect him to be the next catcher that wins the MVP. I was also gonna say I think Sean Murphy got help though, like defensively being with the Braves because the Braves yes do great with their catchers i mean tyler flowers was there he was really good i think they're in the top 10 travis, normally travis darno is very good i think they're normally in the top 10 he's getting some help there yeah i will say rest in peace to travis darno like getting no love travis darno is still probably a top 10 catcher in baseball and he's the backup to sean murphy yeah and he barely gets to play half time because he's, he's their like DH a DH situation is. DH. yeah but like sometimes he doesn't get the dh with how their dh situation is because they have so many so stacked many talent need, yeah yeah Travis so Darno. He needs to get honestly. He should just get traded for out of respect of how good he is. He shouldn't be on the bench, you know. Like he should not be a bench catcher. Hey, good for him. He's just yeah. making money going out to some of bats every once in a while. <laughs> Gets behind the plate a few well, times. I just looked up his stats and he's like he has like a 120 OPS plus this year. Oh no, he's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> he's great. He's, he's a, a great player. He's great. He he just doesn't get the love. He needs to learn. He can't even fucking learn first base because you have fucking Matt Olson out there. It's not going to help him. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, it's Okay, so Jonah Heim for the AL. Snub. Adley Snub. <laughs> Adley Snub? That was one of my snubs. I don't know that. That was one of my snubs. I don't picks. know that player. Adley Rutschman's, <laughs> Adley Rutschman's offensive numbers are slightly better than Jonah Heim's when, yes. you, when you account for, mm-hmm. for the ballpark. Yeah. When you account for the fact that he is playing in – Camden Yards, which is not a very hitter-friendly park. Adley's numbers offensively are better than Jonah Heim, slightly. But on top of that, Adley's so Adley is better. Def- you have a man crush on Adley Rushman. He is better edge. defensively. Like Jonah Heim is one of the best framers. He might have the framing edge, but when it comes to throwing, blocking, Adley's a little bit better. It's Jonah Himes having a great year. I'm happy to see him break out. He is a phenomenal catcher. He's great for that surging Rangers team. But the fact that he is starting over Adley, to me, seems it's more like Rangers are in first place. Like That's what I was about to say. I think this is more of a... Texas voting, so a lot more people are yeah, going to no, vote Yeah, no, casual fans. Texas. Jonah Heim got carried to the All-Star game on the back of Corey Seager's whatever. Uh, Liz- a great year. He's having a great plays year. In, yeah, plays in Texas. It's a little bit more fan love and votes from that. Adley does have a good following just in general for his like, own personal brand. But you're not going to be, beat it when there's only there's only two teams in Texas, right? I'm not forgetting something. Yeah, Houston. Yeah. And Houston Rangers. and Rangers, okay. But uh, I just want to make sure I wasn't missing somebody. But I think it's just one of those things. He's also having a really great, phenomenal, like, offensive season. Like, we always know he's always remarked as one of the best defensive catchers, at least with framing and all of those stats. So I think that's just what helped him with on top of the Rangers being in first place. I think either or, it could have flip-flopped, and it would have been like, okay, it kind of feels like Jonah Heim gets snubbed. But, yes, I think, like, these two guys needed to be the top in the fan voting, which I think they did it did it right there so don't mind it i do feel like adley did get snubbed i would love to see adley starting an all-star game already because love adley but jonah heim also was having a ridiculous year all right so going on to first base we have freddie freeman from the dodgers fourth all-star game no 
I have no problem with these. I think these are these are fine. You you have no problem with Freddie Freeman? I have no problem with Freddie Freeman. Freddie I just Freeman's like Freddie Freeman's year. numbers more, honestly, compared to like a Matt Olson, because Matt Olson just is a three outcome player. I like how Freddie Freeman is a high average, hits home runs, hits extra bases, gets on base kind of guy. I mean these the Freddie Freeman pick was I mean fairly easy. Paul Goldschmidt is having a good year. Obviously not as good of the as a year. Cardinals aren't good, so he's not gonna get a whole lot of love there. And like like you said, Matt Olson's also having a good year, but Freddie's just a little bit better. No problem. I think this one is perfectly fine. Agreed. Uh AL is gonna be Yandi Diaz. First selection. Great for him. Uh makes complete sense. You could argue Vladdy, but when you do a deep dive into the numbers, Yandy Diaz definitely deserves it. I think a lot of people it's so weird because the All Star game a lot of, I think a lot of people vote for their favorite players, which makes sense. Like that's perfectly fine. You wanna see your the people that you're excited to go watch play baseball. Like not a lot of people are like, I can't wait to go see Yandy Diaz. A lot of people are like, Oh, I wanna go see Vlad Guerrero play. I have no problem with that or him. I'm surprised he got it. I think it's the right pick. I, the Rays black magic. Yeah. Out of nowhere, Yandy Diaz just becomes one of the best hitters in the league. It's just, it probably helps that everybody in that lineup has just been phenomenal all year round. So it's like, who are you going to pick to throw your best stuff against and really lock in at? Like, it's impossible for a pitcher to be locked in the whole game against the Rays and not get battered in a certain way. You know, it's just going to happen. He's he's also – he's played a decent amount of games. I think he's played in 69 games so far this season. 68. 68. I just – my my thing, the only, the only critique I have, the only thing that I don't necessarily love about this is, like – and – by the way, nothing wrong with how the Rays play because the Rays do their thing. They don't sell a lot of tickets. They're a budget team. It, like, I, I get it. They have to play smart. They play the platoons. They're very smart. It's just I don't I don't necessarily love a guy that gets platooned often playing or getting um, getting the like the start because there's a lot of matchups where I think he gets held out of the lineup. Yeah, they play. Yeah, the Rays do play that very methodical, statistical, data-driven baseball. And to me, the All Stars are like the guys that play every day. And like, there's. I mean, sixty-eight games. How how many have we played? I think you should be a little bit closer to the eighty eighty mark. How many have we played? Um. Well, let me just look at the standings real quick. Yes, I just don't know how many games we've played right now. The Rays have played 84 games. 84? So only missing... It's not... Again, it's not... I feel like that's just normal rest, honestly, for baseball most of the time. Especially with how the Rays normally go about things. That's my point. I'm just saying he's he's about 10 games behind compared to some of the other All-Stars. Yeah, that's understandable, but his numbers also don't lie with the, the like he's played sixty eight games and he has a three twenty two batting average with a four hundred yeah, on base. No, like, it, he's doing great. I, I'm just like yeah, for example, just a little critique for it. Vlad has played in eleven more games. Yeah, fair. Yeah, like it, that's that's just my only thing where it that's kind of where I don't necessarily maybe love it because there could be 
you know, it doesn't matter how good the pitcher is or if how how it matches up Vlad's that Vlad's playing. Yeah. Uh, moving on to second base for the NL, we have Louis Luis Arias. Obviously, that was like the selection for second base. I don't really see many other people. I feel like I know what you're about to say. Catel Marte. Catel Marte. I think he should have been the runner up at least, not Ozzy Albies. Yeah, Ozzy Albies definitely. Ozzy Albies having a great year. He's doing what he normally does. Doesn't get on base that often, but he's hitting his power. But Cattell Marte is back to Cattell Marte of 2019, where he was top five in MVP voting for the NL. I just don't think he's getting that love because he definitely started the season slow, but he's been on fire the past two weeks, I feel like, where he has hit the majority bulk of his home run. So it's not all in the fans. He did kind of surge a little bit late within the all-star voting, so he couldn't really get in there. Because before the all-star voting started, he was still around like just a little bit above league average of a hitter. But now he's surged up where he's probably, I don't know, I'm guessing his OPS plus is around like 130 or something right now. Catel Marte has an 888 OPS, 142 OPS plus. 142. He's having a great year. I get what you're saying. I also, I... I think he'll at least be a reserve with the coaching and the coach and players oh, decisions. I, I just, I really think, uh, I just, Luis Arias, when you're hitting almost 400, kind of you can't pick. beat it. You just can't. And I'm, I'm not a big batting average guy. No, but still like, that's just, I think it's also like, I think it would be, you would have a hard time not including him because he is going for history this year. Exactly. If he can pull off history and he didn't make it to the all-star game, like this would be one of those situations where it's like laughing that he didn't have somehow like if he bats 400 and doesn't win the MVP, it's another one of those things where it's like, how does this guy not win the MVP? You know, cause th- there's always stories back in the day of the MLB is like, how did Hank Aaron not win the amount of MVPs that he should have all of that stuff? I just think, if Luis Arise gets the 400 batting average or gets anywhere close and doesn't win the MVP, it will be a wild thing for it to happen. But good decision. He's playing great. Uh, I think if he gets another five for five night this year, he'll break the record for the amount of five for fives in a single season, which is another little record that he can go for, which is great. If he has a record breaking season and we get to watch it, it's phenomenal. You can't ask for any other baseball than that. And then AL were another Ranger, Marcus Simeon, second All Star. No appearance. issue with that. No issue with that. He really like he started off slow, really ramped it up, and kind of hasn't left it. He's back to that kind of, I wouldn't say full on Blue Jays, Marcus Simeon. He's not hitting the, that amount of power. He's no, at least, it's not getting over the fence. But he's a good player. He, he's a really great player, and especially at second base. Like I feel like this is the new build for second baseman. It's not that contact guy anymore. Luis Arias is the outlier where he's a really good contact guy, and they still have their place within the MLB. But I feel like a lot of second basemen are going to be former shortstops that can hit for power still and not aren't going to be the smaller guys anymore. I feel like that it's going to go more towards this role where it's like a Marcus Simeon, a Cattell Marte, Ozzy Albies, where they're still threats to get over the wall with the ball. And then third base, Nolan Arenado. At least the Cardinals have something. Um, to be honest. Honestly, I don't see, like, 
NL third base very weak. Yeah, this year. like that's what I'm saying. You technically had like what most would consider one A, one B, one C in the NL as third baseman. Arenado, Machado, and Austin Riley. Riley. Like those are considered the best. Third, I I can't even think who it else would be considered like a top third baseman. Like like Rafael Devers, but AL. Um, Josh Young is forcing himself in the conversation, but that AL. was before. I'm talking like a year to two years ago. Yeah, no, it, like those are those were the three big dogs. Yeah, and for it to be like come down to like, I don't really know who we want in the third base role, and it's just crazy to me that this is how this year's played out because these guys have been so dominant, and this is like where the year where it's like. Nolan doesn't really deserve it, but there's no one better. I he think deserves it in a way. But I think I'm, you're a little. I'm being hard on him. I Never think mind. you're a little jaded by his slow start. Yeah. Because if you look at the season, it's Over re- his past forty games. He's done really well. It's reco- like it's recovered. Yeah. In his past forty games, he's hit thirteen home runs, thirty-five RBIs, and has a nine eighty-five OPS plus uh, OPS, which is great. I th- I just it's weird. It's a weird year for the third baseman for sure on the NL side. Maybe we'll get back to normal, or maybe they'll just be new young blood yeah. the next few and years. And I mean, it's also like that's just baseball. You go yeah. through a little slump. Like sometimes it's a slump at the start of the season. Sometimes it's in the middle of the season. Sometimes it's at the end. Like he, they could turn into a year that you can't figure anything yeah. out for the whole year. He's figured it out though. He's playing really yeah. well. He started slow. So what? He's back to all-star Arenado. I have no issues with this. Yeah. No, I have no issues with it either. I don't see a better choice really out there because they were all kind of around in that same area. They were really slumping, and they had hot streaks, and just where they're at. And then Josh Young for the Rangers. Good selection. I thought Matt Chapman was going to get it. I thought Matt Chapman deserved it a little bit better. But Josh Young's definitely been recency. And with them being in the first place, it's going to get them over the hump. Yeah, I mean, they were. It's that's another 1A, 1B. If I was voting, I'd give it to Matt Chapman. I have no issues with Josh Young, though. Yeah, he's been playing phenomenal. and I, I, That's why I'll to get into that a little bit later. But uh, Orlando Arcia for shortstop in the NL. Again. A surprising one, though. It makes I, sense. It's very surprising. I did not expect him to be this good. Yes. He's very good. Because it was talked about, like, is it going to be Arcia or are they going to bring up uh, – Oh, man, I forget his name, but it's they have a shortstop prospect. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name right now, but it was like it was in between where like, oh, is Arcia going to be up there the whole time? Or are they going to bring this guy up? And uh, I can't think of his name. I'm trying I to think. I feel like of it. his last name starts with a G for some reason. That, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. I just can't think of what it. It's like it's Vance something, but I don't know. Vance Grisham, is that it? I think that might be it. I was thinking it wasn't because it's Trent Grisham. I, I oh, <laughs> Grizz. Um. I'll let you look that up. Um, AL is going to be Corey Seager for shortstop first all-star selection. Well-deserved. He's making that contract also well worth it. He came back. He missed a few games, but came back and has been really hot. His batting average is just crazy. No, I was right. Von, Cri- Von Grissom. Von Grissom? Grissom. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, but like, it was also odd that that's how it was. But Orlando RC has really proved it. So they, it's just giving him more time to get better at defense because that's his main knock right now from what I hear. But Corey Seager. Easy. I mean, missed a lot here. of games, though. That's where I'm just like a little eh. But I think Bo Bichette honestly deserved it more with the amount of games that Corey Seager missed. Because if you're going after Yandy Diaz with the amount of games he missed, Corey Seager really shouldn't have won this spot. I get, I get what you're saying, my only, I said my. That's 
my only knock is because he's like still a platoon player. Mm-hmm. I guess I should clarify: Corey Seager's the everyday th- third ba- or f- shortstop for the Rangers. No questions asked, barring injuries. My other thing, Yandy, the separation between say Yandy Diaz and Vlad Guerrero. And again, I agreed with the Yandy Diaz. I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. I was just saying it was a little bit weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the gap is so insane for how good Corey Seager is playing. Like it's a 40 OPS plus points gap. The other one was a little bit closer. And I get I, that. I think this is just one of the ones where you kind of like when you play that insane, it's like whatever. Uh, fair, but I don't know. It's Boba Shutt's having a really good year, and I feel like this is going to overshadow how good of a year he is having because his defense is well improved this year. He's hitting for a high average, and he's still hitting home runs. So it's just it's sad to see because Boba Shutt's figured it out, and he's not going to get his dues this year from a guy that missed 31 games. So that's just, I feel a little bit bad about that for Boba Shutt. He'll still be an all-star. He'll, you know. Yeah, he absolutely will. Blue Jays. It's another one of those things where the Rangers are in first. Blue Jays just could not break the, into the all-star starting rotation for some reason. They have so many guys that are runners up. Runners up. Yeah. Um, Designated hitter. Easy for both. Yeah. It feels bad that Bryce Harper, but he started so late in the year. But, I mean, for him to be back already is crazy. J.D. Martinez is also insane. Yeah, J.D. Martinez having a crazy year. His batting coach guru that he's back with obviously is on some next-level, like, voodoo shit because he gets back with him, and he's just an insane player again. Shohei Itani, I mean, eh, what are we going to say about that? Like, he's the only guy over 1,000 OPS. He, I know he's hit another home run tonight against the D-backs, but the D-backs won. What's the fuck's up, bitch? Corey Seager has. Corey Seager has an OPS over 1,000. Yeah, but Shohei Itani's played the full year. Yeah, no, I Corey Seager hasn't. So, over 80 games for Shohei while pitching, you know. Otani is, yeah, easy. Yeah. NL Outfield, I'll talk about this one. Uh, Ronald Acuna. Third selection, no doubt about that. I mean, he's like kind of the front runner for NL MVP. He's in that top five mix of names that should win it. Uh, Mookie Betts, I don't know how I feel about this one because he hasn't played everything in the outfield, but I think he deserves a spot because it's Mookie Betts and he is having a great year still. Um, he's an all-star caliber player. Yeah, I it's don't not, it's not, not having him in there. It's not his fault he wasn't playing it. He's one of the best defensive right fielders. He should be playing outfield. It's not. The yeah, he's just filling the role as the team yeah. needs. It's not his fault. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just weird to see him in the outfield. I thought maybe they were going to give him second or shortstop, whatever it might be. And then my boy, Corbin Carroll, making it to his first all-star game in the rookie year. Very much deserved. Very much deserved. He's having a great year. Going into a little bit of a cold slump right now. He's going to a little bit of a slump. He'll get back to it. I would love to see him already in the 2020 club before all-star break. So three more home runs and he'd be there. Been very impressed by him this whole year, but I won't get into a little thing. He's, it's cool that he's, he'll, he's such a complete player though, that even if he's a little bit cold at the plate, it doesn't matter because he's still playing he has, gold glove. He has 24 steals yes. before the all-star break. Yeah. Like he's on pace for what? But 48. Can we, can we talk about the pace that Ronald Acuna is on though for stolen bases? After having an ACL surgery. Yeah, that's insane. He's on pace for 72. It's just ridiculous. Like, I don't know what to say about it. Like, after having ACL surgery and you're stealing that many, it's crazy. I just want to give that a deuce to Ronald Cunha for that. But 
having a great year, and he gets to make his all-star debut in his hometown of Seattle, which is even cooler. His probably gets his family some tickets. He sees a few friends. It's going to be great for him. It's just going to be a little, like, welcome home thing after he's already made it, which is really cool. Runners up were Michael Harris and Guriel Jr. Makes sense. Uh, Michael Harris. Great season's not good enough. Yeah, like, if Guriel kept up with the hot streak that he had going on with his hitting streak, probably would have made it. But he cooled down a bit, and he lost a little bit of that edge. He could have beat out Mookie Betts probably by a little bit. Or Corbin, but I think Ronald Cooney was locked in for sure. And you want to cover the AL? Um, AL, there's one I, there's one player that I don't think should be a starter, respectfully. Randy Rosarena, great year, definitely deserves to start. Aaron Judge, it's kind of the same thing as Corey Seager. He's been hurt a little bit. I don't like the fact that he hasn't played in so many games. But with how insane that his his stats are, it's kind of like okay, he was on that pace of last year. He's, so he's he's it's it's one of those things where it's like okay, I don't care that you've played in ten less games because you're this good. Yeah. Um. It's also a worry though too that he might not be back for the All Star game. So exactly, that and might so not even one affect of those, something. One of those guys gets to bump in. I don't know if. Mike Trout deserves Mike it. Trout deserves to start. Mike Trout is having an All Star season. He's still Mike Trout. He's just it's but his batting average is the problem. That's really the thing that pops it's not out even, on the screen. It's just also like Jordan Alvarez. His OPS is like 120 points higher than Mike Trout. His OPS plus is 166. The only thing that holds. Jordan back is he's more of a DH than an outfielder. Which is where they put him in at outfield, but I feel like they were trying to get him a position in the outfield since Otani was going to be taking DH. He plays enough outfield, but it's just like... Yeah, no, he still deserved to be in the outfield. I'm not saying that, but it's just... He's having a better season than Trout, so if you're going to put him in there... It was going to be hard to put... It was going to be hard for Jordan to win outfield votes compared to dh votes but they knew that otani would win dh so they were giving Jordan a more of a chance i feel like Jordan will still be there there's no doubt about that he should be there he should be the first guy subbed in in the outfield um but it just is what it is with the talent pool that's going on right now and then um kind of last thing we're going to talk about um Let's, we just have to talk about it because it's kind of a trend. Or it's just something we – this offseason, there's a lot of hype around, say, the Padres and – Or the Mets. Or the Mets. And the Mets for spending all this money. And they are they are horrible. And it's time we have, we have to put them on the hot seat. Yeah, and here's my problem. I haven't watched that many Mets games, but since the Padres are in the NOS, I watch a lot of their – at least their highlights or I watch a lot of their games. Here's my problem. They have tried to buy their team too much where I don't feel like these guys are too much teammates. They might be on the same team. They play on the same team. But I just don't see that, like, fun that you should be having. I see a lot of clicks maybe going on in the dugout. It just feels like there's no meshing going on. And so when someone's hot, it's not helping someone else get better. If someone else is cold, it's not really going to affect the other guy, but they're also cold, so it doesn't matter. So it's just a weird dynamic that I feel like going on since they've bought most of their guys and brought them in, and they really haven't come through the farm system together. It's just there's no camaraderie. There's no teamwork. It feels like when there's a good play made, 
there might be a little celebration, but it's mainly only for the batting. If there's a good play defensively, they're just kind of going back to their positions. It's the Padres, you know, the talents there, kind of like you said, a lot of these guys have been brought in from other places. Exactly. A lot of these guys have been brought in from other places. Experience in other organizations. There's something to be said about going through the grind in the minors with some guys, seeing some guys that you were, like, sleeping on a couch in AAA with or whatnot. Like, there's that level. Not a lot of homegrown talent. I agree with that point. I also think – I think part of it, too, is when you do that, you don't establish a culture. Yes. There's nothing – like, what is Padres baseball? You have guys that are coming – like, Juan Soto's from the Nationals. Xander Bogarts is from the Red Sox. Manny Machado's came from, from the, the Dodgers. Orioles. was Orioles, Dodgers, then the Padres. Like – even the pitching, I mean, you look and at you the pitching, at, it's from you everywhere. Can't even, you can't even look at, like, Tatis as your homegrown guy because then he gets suspended. He's gone for a year. He's injured And all he the creates time. all this drama. There's all this drama. It's so, like, you look at it, and it's kind of like Manny Machado is kind of like the guy or, like, the like the padre based off of how long he was. Th- he, took, he took the contract before they were, like, really, really good. Yeah. So you could kind of say that he's kind of – been a part of building this and Manny Machado he's gotten better but he's still not the guy that you want to like shape the lead the team team. yeah he's just not a leader in that way he's gonna lead by his play but recently his play isn't really that great because you just don't have the right guys because we saw how Manny Machado played with the Orioles I feel like that was the best version of Manny Machado we've ever seen because he had his friends on the team he had guys that he knew since he was like coming through the minors. He's probably more comfortable. When you put him, all these guys into a situation, I mean, you look throughout the whole starting lineup for the just the fielders alone. I don't think any of those guys came from the Padres organization. You look at uh, – I always get them mixed up. Aaron Nola? No, it's not Aaron Nola. Austin Nola. Austin Nola. Came from the Mariners. Yeah, Austin Nola, not from the Padres. Uh, and now first Gary base, Sanchez is your primary catcher. Yeah, and it was uh, Nervaez. Nervaez? No, Omar? Al- Alfaro was Alfaro, there. yeah. Jorge Alfaro. I mean, you look at first base, Drake Conaworth, first Padre guy. But And then you go over to second base. Is that Kim? Posse Young Kim came over from. Bogarts, Red Sox, uh, third, Manny Machado, is different team. Christian was traded from the Brewers. Exactly. As Soto, Soto, Soto from the Nationals. And then right field, uh, left field, right field. Mm-hmm. They kind of just mix, don't they? they yeah, it's like Carpenter or Odor or Cruz. Cruz, like nobody's DH, from like. the Padres, and I think that's just creating a problem right now where there's not really like, and it's not like we ever heard like any of these guys being friends outside of baseball, like, like meeting up or anything like that. This is just a team trying to get the best talent together, and we're seeing that it just doesn't work like that in baseball. It doesn't work like that in many sports. That's why I feel like in basketball, when this does happen, when there's a super team created, it works because most of the time those guys are talking to each other because the league is smaller and they already have a rapport with each other. They're like, okay, yeah, I get along with this guy. If I was on a team with this guy, I would want to play better. I just don't see we're seeing that from the Padres or the Mets because, I mean, the Mets are in a similar position where they have some homegrown talent. They're definitely a little bit better off compared to the Padres. But they still have brought in a lot of guys from outside, and it's just not really working out when they're shilling out money to so many guys to get this team over the hump to get to the playoffs. Yeah, and the Mets, like, 
the Mets to me, I mean, they're it's I don't like the Mets almost makes a little bit more sense. Like the Mets thing, you know, you have a Justin Verlander in his forties. Okay, it makes sense that he might not be having that good of a season. And that's not to say Justin Verlander can't find it, but it's like that one makes a little bit more sense. You have some like some of the smart moves that they made last year, like Canna's underperforming. They already got rid of Eduardo Escobar. Marte's not doing that great. Like, these were good, solid players. It makes sense that they're not, like, they're a little bit underwhelming. The Mets, it's just, but you can't be these teams that are coming out, throwing this money around. Like, I know the Mets had Correa for a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, you know, like. <laughs> About, like, three days or something like carlos like yeah you can't be throwing it's if you're gonna throw this amount of money around you have no excuse not to win yeah absolutely and especially like the mets not maybe not quite the same as the padres they do have like alvarez is a homegrown guy pete Um, alonzo pete alonzo but nimmo mcneil yeah they, they have plenty like but they it feels like the most underwhelming people on all these teams are the guys that they bring from outside. And obviously it hurts losing Edwin Diaz, but you can't make all these moves. You can't spend all this much. Edwin Diaz isn't winning any of these games that they've been losing though. That's the problem. Like it's not like they've been blowing saves. They're just out of the game before the ninth even comes around. So Mets fans ever using that as an excuse would just be like, I, I meant more as like demoralizing. Yeah. Edwin Diaz, like, cause you, Again, you're talking about like the Padres, the energy, them having fun. Edwin Diaz is, was fun. Yeah, he like, definitely brought an energy to the clubhouse. I agree. You definitely know, like the fans loved it, but the players definitely had that. Like when well, the when trumpets the, start playing and Edwin when the Diaz fans comes get in, going, you get going too. That when adrenaline the, like, starts pumping. You know, Francisco Lindor is standing at shortstop, hearing those trumpets going. Oh, you guys are fucked. Yeah, you guys are. F- it's over. Yeah, you know, it's we have like. It's it's just kind of one of those things. I hope I think I would say the Mets would be more likely to click than the Padres. Yes, but we'll see. I think the Padres are just gonna have to blow it up and kind of start back from scratch a little bit. Either trade all the guys that they have for like borderline MLB ready players and kind of get them to that MLB ready, and then just get from there. They can recover, but I just don't know what their moves would be to recover because you've put out so much money just to get these guys in general, and now you're going to have to, like, restart would not look good. And, I mean, they're in fourth place. They're barely above the Rockies right now. And running the division right now are the Arizona Dimebacks. They're the youngest team in the division, I believe. And it's all the homegrown talent. Like, we have – basically nobody from outside of our organization up now like we have a few that have been pretty impactful for the both most majority the most impactful guys have been from the organization and we have more and more of them coming up all the time where the padres just gave away their farm system and we don't know the next time we're going to see a prospect from them come up and a lot of their prospects have been playing great for the nationals so it's just going to be an interesting situation to see I just not looking hopeful for the Padres with how they're playing as of late. Yeah. And we, you know, we'll see what happens. I think both teams definitely have the talent and the potential to figure it out. We, we just have to put them on the hot seat. 
they're on our hot seat. We will monitor them, but they're they're on our hot seat. Mets and Padres on the hot seat. They're just not performing like they should at this point. They're on the final play hot seat. <laughs> we'll see. We you know. Listen, Matt Carpenter, former oh, Cardinal. No. Oh no. You and me. And you and me. Listen to me. Uh-huh. I'm giving you the opportunity to get the Padres off the hot seat. <laughs> Matt, just play a little bit better. <laughs> Rally that team. Get him over the hump. I don't know if Matt has that in his heart anymore. Has that in the body. Um, I think that's where we're about to end the episode. Kind of covered everything we want to. We have a few more that we're going to p- talk about next week, but this episode's kind of ran a little bit long at this point. But we yep, did ran have a little a, bit long. We had to cover a lot, honestly. We had to catch up for the two, three weeks that we did not record an episode. I, but especially like, with the NBA draft and whatnot. Plus, I think it's better, you know, next week we'll have a little bit more of an idea with how pitching is going to work yeah. in terms of what guys are going to be available to really talk about the all-star game. Yeah. Pitching is going to be a big part. Maybe we'll hear a little bit about the reserves and we'll be a little bit closer to the trade deadline. So we will be able to talk about buyers and sellers and kind of some trade deadline predictions. Yeah. What teams that might be moving any more NBA news might touch on some NFL news because we are getting close to that season at this point. Just might touch on some things, especially with all the gambling stuff that goes on. If there's more players that get suspended because they've been gambling on their teams to win, we'll cover that. Uh, getting into NFL season, though, soon for sure, because right now we only have MLB at this point. It'll be pretty MLB heavy the next couple of weeks, which is I love baseball. So I'm same per- here. Perfectly happy Just to with be that. watching a ton of baseball now. I, I also think like we are getting to the exciting part of the summer for baseball. Yes. We're getting to the like the trade deadline. Um, you know, buyers, Cardinals blowing it buyers, up. Buyers, sellers. Um, we're going to see a lot of movement. We could see movement of some very big players. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll, it'll be, be great. We're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, we will see you next week. Later. Um, be sure to follow. Oh man. Final, I yeah, up. you messed that up. Be sure to follow Final Play on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, um, Instagram, Twitter, just look us up across the internet. Be sure to follow us. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Later.